The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 11th chapter. Jesus spoke to the crowd, saying, To what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This past week, uh, I was talking with our preschool director, Stacy Candilas, who had just gotten back from a 10-day trip to Italy. And she told me all about her various travels and experiences, and I shared stories with her of when we had gone to Italy back in 1999 and 2000. And we shared back and forth our love for the people and the food, and we talked about some of the favorite places that we had visited and things we had seen. And we shared together that we were both exhausted by the end of our trips. You see, we both wanted to make the absolute most of the time that we were there. And speaking for myself, I felt like I needed to make the most of every minute, to feel like I had accomplished something every day. We could finish the day and go back to the hotel and check off several things out of our guidebook, which it said we were supposed to see. Our second visit to Italy was part of a larger six-week trip that we took around Europe for our honeymoon. And we did so much and saw so many things that we were spent by the end. If you can imagine it, I didn't want to see another church or cathedral or basilica for the rest of my life after traveling around six weeks in Europe. We actually, in about week five, debated whether we might cut our trip short and come home early because we were so tired. Fortunately, we didn't. But we had pushed ourselves in those six weeks. We had pushed our 26-year-old selves to the absolute limit. And the irony being, of course, that in Italy and so many European countries, life is all about moving slowly at a livable pace of life and savoring everything, the food and the art and the landscape. And we were running around like crazy trying to fit everything in. And I don't know about you, but uh, I can be like that in most of the other areas of my life as well. Always wanting to have accomplished something, have something to show for my time. For me, downtime is difficult because I feel like I should be doing something or producing something. 
I have to watch that critically acclaimed movie or get my steps in for my walk or run a certain distance or finish that book or write that article. Even when we go on vacation up to my in-law's cottage, you know, Jenny, who is a go, go, go person, she can like turn it off like at a flip of a switch and she can sit on that dock on the lake for hours upon hours reading her book. And in 30 minutes, I get fidgety and have to go do something. Now, maybe we could, through a show of hands, uh, how many of you are really good at vegging out? How many of you are, are really good at being able to, yeah, I love, every, every, uh, every service I see these look between spouses. It's like, <laughs> yep, you're that one. <laughs> and uh, how many of you have to be doing something all the time? It's busy, busy, busy. And, and how are you, or some, maybe a little bit of both, depends on the time and the so, so, yeah, kind of a good, good split there. Um, it sort of reminds me of that story of Mary and Martha uh, when Jesus comes to visit their house in Luke's gospel, that Mary is there sitting at Jesus' feet and is just taking it all in and listening to Jesus, and Martha is busy, busy, busy in the kitchen trying to make sure everything is right and tended to. It takes all kinds of people. Uh, and I'm sure that's partly the way that we're wired, but it can also be a spiritual matter as well. Because, and I know for myself this can be true, sometimes that inability to slow down, to just be and to, the re- and to rest, is not just about the way that I'm wired, but it's about something deeper. It's about my need to prove or justify myself, thinking that my worth or my value comes in what I'm able to produce or create, or the experiences I'm able to accumulate, or the knowledge that I'm able to gain, or what I'm able to cross off on my daily to-do list or my bucket list. I can fall into the spiritual trap of thinking that my value and my worth are derived from what I do rather than from who I am, from my doing rather than my being. I find myself trying to justify myself, and I don't know to who, to myself or to others or to God, through my actions rather than remembering that I'm justified with God through God's grace, through faith, which is itself a gift to us. It's one of those little crazy, sneaky, insidious spiritual traps, I think, where out of the best of intentions, we can think and act as if we have to earn the free gift of God's love that's already been given to us, like trying to see everything humanly possible in Florence or Venice in two days, which is impossible. In our gospel reading, Jesus says those great lines, Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, sometimes I have to confess I get that verse confused with the Statue of Liberty, who says, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free but I guess Jesus could have said that too. But no, he says, come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. One writer points out that in the telling of this reading, when Jesus offers his heavy-laden listeners a lighter yoke, what he was doing was offering them a religion of grace to replace the religion of works under which they were laboring. In Jesus' time, the religious laws that were designed to bring people into right relationship with God were having the opposite effect. The laws had become oppressive and divisive. And so Jesus' invitation was to lay them aside 
and to receive the gift of God's grace. And 500 years ago, Martin Luther spoke about the religious laws and traditions of his time that oppressed people in his day. And he declared that we're justified with God through God's grace through faith, not by anything that we do, that God's grace and salvation is a gift, not a reward for our good works. But 2,000 years after Jesus and 500 years after Luther, it's still such a challenge to live out this understanding of grace. You would think we'd be better by now. (laughs) Many times we feel like the author Barbara Brown Taylor who said, I may believe that I live by God's grace, but I act like a scout collecting a merit badge. I may believe that I live by God's grace, but I act like a scout collecting a merit badge. We try to earn the grace that's already given to us. According to Luther, the church shouldn't be a place where we compound the burdens of life or just replace one burden for another. Rather, this is the place we ought to find rest for our souls, a place where we can set those burdens down, if only for an hour on Sunday morning, and a place in community where we let other people help us carry those burdens. And if we are honest, though, the church, paradoxically, can sometimes pile onto that feeling of having to earn one's keep with God. In a world full of the pressure to produce and the underlying message that our value is based on what we do rather than who we are, sometimes the church can send the same message and inadvertently add to our burden or our guilt of always feeling that we should be doing more or be better. And there are times for doing more, and there are times simply to rest. Sometimes we overfocus on doing rather than being, and sometimes we overfocus on what should be done rather than helping people receive the gift of rest and that, so that they know they are loved regardless of what gets done in a day. Spiritual rest is understanding that our value, your value and my value, is not derived by what we produce or do. Our value is derived from God's love, God who created us and loves us as we are. Our value is in being God's beloved, and that's not earned. That is given. And in the church, we have a name for that. We call it Sabbath, which refers to the day of rest that God established in creation. On the seventh day, God rested. And if God should rest, you know, maybe we should too. Jews, of course, observe the Sabbath on Saturday, and Christians observe the Sabbath on Sunday. But Sabbath is something we can also experience anywhere. Maybe as the waves roll in at the beach, or maybe that cup of coffee in the morning that you have in your house just before everybody gets out, up and things are quiet. It's an invitation to a deeper rest, not just rest of the body, and not just rest so that we can do more, but a rest of the soul and the spirit and the mind and the heart a spiritual recalibration, a reminder that we're loved just as we are, not for what we do. And for some reason, that rest (coughs) comes easy to some. But I'd venture to say that for most people, it's not. Um, Recently, I've been reading a book by Rabbi Abraham Heschel called The Sabbath, which is one of the great books about the Sabbath. And in it, he says, The Sabbath is the most precious present humankind has received from the treasure house of God. 
And he says, although labor is a craft, perfect rest is an art. Rest is actually something to be cultivated. It's not just the absence of work and doing. It's to be cultivated and to be intentional about. Not another to do, but a gift and a time to be received. Just to be and to know that we are enough in God's eyes. Often we're lucky if we can get five minutes of that in a day, I'd have to say. But imagine taking one whole day each week, one day out of seven, to know and experience that gift. And I know that's not always possible. And so then people start to feel badly about that. But think about it this way, that that is God's desire for us. Achievable or not, that is God's hope and desire for us, that we would experience that rest and rest in that grace, to know deep spiritual rest, to accept that easy yoke of Jesus. And summertime is a great time to practice the art of spiritual rest, of cultivating and recognizing Sabbath moments. A good summer is not just one in September where we list all the things that we did with the family and the places that we went or all the projects that we did around the house. How many of those conversations do you have the week after Labor Day? It's amazing. How was your summer? All the things that we did. But a good summer also includes chunks of time when we simply rest and enter into the deep spiritual and Sabbath rest of God. And so maybe for you that place is the beach or the mountains or the lake, or maybe you just enjoy being home while everybody else heads out of town. Whatever rest means to you, wherever you find it, however long you can find it for, I hope you make time for it and time for God this summer. Summer's a natural time for experimenting with Sabbath time to bring our weariness and our heavy burdens to God and drop them at God's feet and to let God hold them and let God worry about them for a while as we enter into the Sabbath and that freedom of time that God gives to us. And I hope that when we talk about our summers or when we catch up after Labor Day, in addition to hearing about all the amazing things that you've done, we'll also share stories of how we found rest. And for my part, I'll start by trying to sit on the dock longer than 30 minutes. Amen.